Welcome to the Doing Good Business Podcast, designed to bring out the best in you and your organization. I'm Laura Heacock, a leadership coach on a mission to create a culture where business is the true balance of head and heart. I work with leaders and companies on how to leverage my brand of kindness to gain powerful results. And I'm Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, helping you shift conversations to identify what works and find ways to build on that success with people, planet, and profit in mind. The Doing Good Business Podcast is the place to learn about transformational leadership qualities and purpose-driven business practices that are essential to success in today's modern market. You can make the world a better place through business, and the business case for that starts now. Welcome back to Doing Good Business. And surprise, it's Kelly. I know Laura generally kicks us off um, with our episodes, but we're doing a little bit of a a bonus feature today, bonus content. And Laura was uh, very nice to agree to do this with me. But we really wanted to bring some additional messages to you and some um, strategies that you could use. Because I hope that everyone knows that Laura and I are looking for finding and talking to individuals who are going above and beyond every day to make the world a better place by doing good business. I mean, just in this last part of this year, we've talked to Alice Carolina, who's leading a move toward more ethical marketing. We've talked with Cindy Bigelow of Bigelow Tea, who's making a positive impact on people and the planet, which helped them to earn their B Corp certification. We've talked with Paul Burkett through his vision for automation finance. They've created a way for regular people to help regular people stay in their homes. And Laura and I really do think about you, our listeners, before any guest is scheduled. We think about you when we see all of the volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and the ambiguity in the world today. And certainly there's no shortage of it. I say the world because we know you're listening from around the world, here in the U.S. where we are, also the U.K., Australia, Spain, India, Italy, and others. We know you're using your innate talents in specific and genuine ways to make the world a better place and that you're looking to build your capacity to do that to learn new strategies and practices, to innovate, to engage others, whether you're in business development, HR, IT, marketing and communications, education, consulting, in companies of all sizes. And sometimes we know that the work of making the world a better place can seem daunting. And Laura and I want to make that easier for you. When it seems like everything else is going bananas, here are two things we want to talk to you about today that could help you make the world a better place. Whether you're an established or an emerging leader, leading many people, a few people, or leading yourself through life's twists and turns in pursuit of something better. We believe that the best place to make the most impact is in what you can influence. So without further ado, drumroll please, I'd like to share our first suggestion, which is Laura's, and that is to take care of yourself. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the show. (laughs) You know, when you had started off, Kelly, the first word that came to my mind is, you know, we wanted to offer some support. Um, Yes. You know, and and I'll share a little bit about how, you know, you called me after the awful events at the Mm -hmm. U.S. Capitol of January 6th and and it was really about, like, what can we do? What can we do for our listeners? How can we give them a little bit of support? and I want to caveat this by saying, like, a lot of people, when they hear the first, re- when they hear take care of yourself, the first reaction is like, 
Ooh, that's really selfish. Like there's so much terribleness happening in the world. Like look at everything. I have to go out and, you know, I have to be a part of the change. I have to, you know, do the things in my organization. I have to do the things in my personal life and in my neighborhood. Um, And what I always offer is the invitation to just hit pause for a moment and to really ask yourself, when are you capable of doing those things? When Mm. are you as a leader and as a human and as an activist and as somebody who is involved and engaged, when are you at your best? When are you most capable of doing the work that you want to do in the world? Is it when you're exhausted? Is it when you're depleted? Is it when you're run down and you're sick and you can't get out of bed because your body shuts down because you've been pushing it too hard? It's not. Mm -hmm. And every person that I follow who is out there doing the work is telling their audience that you first have to take care of yourself. You must, you know, a mentor of mine refers to it as being resourced. Um, you know, Kelly, I'll, I'll step on your toes for a minute and, and give a, a company. Sure. A company has a human resources department. And as an <sighs> individual, we have to human resource ourselves. You know, we have mm-hmm. to stay resourced. So, you know, when I talk to my leaders and, you know, they're in conflict with their leadership or they've gotten a bad 360 from their team or, they're promoted to a higher level of leadership than they've ever had before. And, you know, all of the, the fear that comes along with that, the first thing that we do is we come back to ourselves. And right. what does it look like to be able to get out of bed and do this job in the way that you want to do it? So what does it look like for you as an individual to be able to mm-hmm. do the work you want to do in the world in the way that you want to do it? You know, for me, it looks like getting enough sleep, Um, it looks like last Friday, I just, I didn't feel good. I'm prone to sinus infections. I have a very full week coming up ahead of me. And so I had an urgent care appointment and I got an antibiotic to make sure that nothing, you know, got worse than it did because I had really, really, I got really sick at the end of last year because things were too stressful. So it's really basic fundamental stuff. It's things like moving your body. It's things like eating in a way that works for you. It's things like getting enough sleep, you know, some form of quiet. For some people, it's prayer. For some people, it's meditation. For some people, it's hiking, you know, for some people, their Mm -hmm. relationship with quiet is, you know, Brene Brown always says her father, it it looks like fishing. Um, Right. And it's community, you know, it's creating this space. And this is one of the reasons that Kelly and I do suggest and, and bring the guests that we bring is because it, it creates a bit of community. You know, we call it proof of concept, but mm-hmm. it's really about being able to listen to somebody and say, I'm not alone. I'm not the only crazy one out there wanting to do good business. I'm not the only leader out there, spoiler alert, working with a coach and bringing them in and doing something for my team right. back right. next week to hear more <laughs> on that. But, you know, like we want to create that sense of, it's not just me. There is actually a community of people in the world that are living this way and working this way. And I think that's so important, Laura, because we, as humans, we crave that human connection. And when you were talking about these other things, which are you know different for different people, right? It might be painting, it might mm-hmm. be reading, whatever those things are. What struck me, and and it's a crossover, to, you know, to to where our, I think about things organizationally, is you're doing what you can do. You're doing what you know you've done successfully in the past. I may not be able to reverse everything I'm seeing in the world, but I can go for a walk around the block. I've done that successfully before and I know it clears my mind, right? Mm -hmm. So you are building on things that 
actually build your confidence, which is what you're sharing with us, right? To, to then take on the bigger challenges. Yeah. It's confidence and capacity, you know, like none of us can do the work that we want to do when we're depleted. It's just not possible. Like eventually, you know, you may be able to go for a long time. Like I know people that make it, you know, well into their forties and fifties before something really hits them, but like your body will eventually stop you. Right. <laughs> it right. will eventually slow you down. It will eventually, you know, put the brakes on. Um, and I talk about a lot, like, let's stop being reactive and let's right. start being proactive. So it's like, yes, we all need tools to manage our thoughts, feelings, and emotions when the stuff hits the fan, right? Like you right. have to have those in the moment tools. But if you, you know, I call it building your foundation. If you have daily or like regular practices, right? Like you know, daily, daily to me taps into perfectionism. So if I shift it and say like, if you have regular practices, like if you regularly, you know, move your body in a good way. If you regularly, you know, read, paint, art, sing, whatever it is for you, if you regularly do those things, the cracks in your foundation get sealed up. Mm-hmm. And then when stuff happens, you have such an increased capacity to handle it that you start right. to respond instead of react. You don't fly off the fan when a customer calls and has a complaint. You know, you don't you don't fly off the handle rather when a customer calls right. a complaint. Like you have the capacity to be able to show up in the way that you want to. You have the capacity to be able to, you know, call a senator and voice your concerns. And you have Mm -hmm. the capacity to be able to look around and say, what am I going to do in my world and in the places that I can control to make it the way that I want it to be? So I love this, Laura. And first of all, I would add compassion to Mm -hmm. all of that because you're the one who really taught me about self-care and about that not being a selfish thing, right, but a necessary thing, just as if I were a machine, right? There would be preventative maintenance that I'm doing (laughs) to Mm -hmm. keep my machine going. So I think that's really important in terms of it not feeling selfish for people who might think like, oh, no, there's more to do for others, Mm -hmm. which brings me to responsibility, right? So we do have a responsibility as we know the word, But I think, and dear listeners, now you know why Laura and I do this together, because we're swimming in the same pool. I also think the more proactive you can be, the better off the organization is for long term. So when we think about our responsibility to ourselves, to our organization, to others, it's also important to think about our response, space, ability. How well, how, what's our ability to respond in ways that are meaningful, productive, mm-hmm. right? So that's what I'm hearing in what, in what you're sharing and also a great segue if, if you want, we could, uh, I'll go into the second suggestion if yes, that works. Yes, please, Kelly, okay. hit us. So second suggestion, um, and I'm sure there aren't gonna be too many people who are surprised by this intro, take care of your organization. Hmm. And and that's it's the same way. We run our organizations, but it, there's the parallel to what you're saying. Sometimes we run our organizations down, but when we take care of it, that provides us the opportunity to be much more proactive in what we're doing. And so I think for so long now we focus too much on what's missing or broken. And I will tell you, it is the very first necessary step in creating new, a new strategic plan is to make sure you're solving the right strategic problem. So we need to think about what's broken or what's missing. But I think we collectively, um, chronically, stay there too long. 
And then that stops the creativity from coming in. So we can't do anything that is creative, let alone innovative and compassionate. And these are kind of the hallmarks of what we see with the people who come on the show, right? They're doing very innovative, compassionate things. It's possible. It's profitable, right? It's mm-hmm. packed with opportunity. Mm-hmm. And there's there are real neurological and psychological reasons for this. When we consider that our organizations are made up of people, we have to be thinking about the neurological, the psychological, the emotional components. But we know that when we can get to a good feeling place as individuals, those inspire good thoughts, good evaluation, good planning, right? Good um, collaboration. And so that feeds into excellent actions, strategies, and practices. So how do we get there? Well, it's kind of a little bait and switch on my part. And I do apologize because I told you there were two suggestions. Take care of yourself, take care of your organization. But mine, I've got about four things to share. That's all right. I'm going to add a third. So go. Oh, good. Okay, great. Thanks. (laughs) Excellent. 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 Okay. So think of a challenge, probably not a hard thing for someone to do. Think of a challenge that's in your organization right now and just hold it there for a second. Because immediately I want to ask you to think, what would the positive opposite of that look like? So if you're thinking, boy, we're really having a hard time. Um, People are coming back to work and they feel like, you know, when when it's safe to do so, they feel distracted, right? And um, they feel vulnerable. Well, the positive opposite to that would be that when people come back to work, they feel focused and safe. So if you start designing a strategy to make people feel less distracted, right, less vulnerable, that is not the same as developing strategies that are going to actually take people to an even higher level. You're going to help them feel safe and focused. So that's the difference there, right? That's the positive opposite. And you could do that with lots of things. You know, whatever the challenge is, flip it. Have the audacity to imagine what would the exact opposite be that I actually want to have happen in my organization. And then the next thing you want to ask yourself is, what would it look like if we were working toward this? And the internal dialogue is huge, especially as in a leadership position, but also as an individual. Here's though where in an organization, it helps to bring in more people essential to your success into this conversation, whether that's in your department, your company, maybe you talk to a few close clients, maybe you talk to some suppliers, but you start to ask them, you you tell them, hey, this is where we're headed very proactively, right? We're going to this positive initiative that we want to put in place and we're imagining what this might look like. So one of the first things you can do because our our very well-trained critical thinking brains necessary, some of the time, not all of the time, want to tell us all the reasons why we can't do that. So the first thing you want to do is really recall a previous challenge that the organization has encountered, that you really rose to that occasion, and it was very successful. And think about what made that successful, and really start to write those things down. Was it creativity? Was it a really good sense of collaboration? What made that possible? Because when you can identify that, then it helps you to look more broadly at what are the possibilities, right? We're not reacting. We're not, just, we're not just saying, oh, no, what are we going to do now? We're saying, what can we do now, right? And so the possibilities might be something that really creates real value for someone else, whether that's your employees or your customers. 
And so we have to be really like curious, compassionate, and confident when we're asking those questions too. One of the best ways that I um, suggest to people to do that is in your organization, notice anytime someone says thank you. Because they're telling, if it's genuine, right, record right in that moment, why are they, what are they thanking you for? And why are they excited about it enough to thank you for it? Because you're going to start to identify, oh, that was real value I brought to someone. And you're going to start to identify more of your organization's strengths. Then the next thing you want to do is really think about just project yourself. I used to say three years. I say a year. I think sometimes I should only say six months, but project yourself at some point into the near future and ask yourself, what story do you want to be telling about this challenge and how you proactively met or exceeded this challenge or took your organization in a way that you wanted it to go and start to think about what that looks like, because that's going to be an an entree into the next part of this, which is how will you know you're achieving it? What are the really meaningful outcomes? You're going to have metrics. That's in the actual tactical plan. But when you're thinking about it from a strategy standpoint, you want some very early indicators that you're headed in the right direction. So that gives you a really firm footing to move forward with. And so you take your challenge, you flip it, You think about another time when you've done something really successful, the organization's done something successful. You think about all of the possibilities and ask as many people, what might be possible if we did this? What would be possible if we did that? I just learned about a company the other day who is taking excess algae, making shoes out of them. And then when the shoes are done, they can go back to being algae, if I got that correct. Wow. Exactly, right? What might be possible? where do we want to go, right? We want to set that as aspiration for what's the positive thing. Forget about the challenge. The challenge was just something that started your creative thinking. Where, what else might be possible? And how do we know that we're succeeding? How do we know that we're taking a few steps towards making that happen? And bonus points, if it's also good for people on the planet. So I'll take that to the personal level for a minute. And sure. there's there's an amazing book and I recommend it to all. I usually actually buy it <laughs> for all my female <laughs> leaders and send it to them. It's called Playing Big and it's by a woman um, named Tara Moore. And in that book, she has an exercise and she calls it the inner mentor exercise. And it is the personal version, Kelly, of what you just described for the business. It is imagine yourself five years in the future mm-hmm. and get really, really clear, like visualize mm-hmm. it. What does she look like? What is she wearing? Where is she? Who's around her? What are her days look like? And just get this clear image of herself. And, and I am dramatically oversimplifying it, but the, <laughs> the crux of it is she becomes your internal guide and consultant and you get to check in exactly what would this inner mentor in this moment like if i imagine my inner mentor five years in the future what does she advise me for this particular moment in time how does she like what decision do i need to make to actually get to that place and it just becomes this ongoing cycle and this iterative process of you know thinking about where do i want to be in this you know future moment in time that i've identified how does it look and now what do i need to do in the moment to get there you know what is the decision that supports me getting to that place so important and again today anyway, our organizations are made up of people, right? So it's so important to to bring that into it because here's why, right? In the organization, if you're not thinking about that aspiration, if you're not listening to that inner mentor, 
you could meet today's challenge, but you may have done it by cutting costs, laying off, shutting a division down, finding ways to reduce your tax bill. That's a subject for another day. Um, But really what will have happened is you really won't have grown your business because you will have weakened your company when you only cut, only cut. I'm again, talk about oversimplifying, right? But when you only make reductive or deficit-based strategies, you're not really growing your business. You're not really engaging the people essential to your success. You're not really improving what you do or how you do it. And you're not making a positive impact on society. More importantly, I think you're not learning and growing as a leader, right? Because we can all know a lot of things, but in an information-laden environment in which, and we all have access to it, it's really about learning. It's about asking the right questions that fire up those new ideas. And that's the aspiration point of it, because if you want to grow your business, it's a little bit more challenging to think, what do I add? When we're in the face of a challenge, what do I add so that I get that where I want to go? I get that really proactive. I have a friend who runs a business who highly values the fact that without her employees, she doesn't have a business. And when there have been downturns, she never touches anything. She doesn't touch their salary. She doesn't mm-hmm. touch their benefits ever because they're essential to her success. So if she has to make cuts someplace else, she'll find it. But more often than not, she tries to add. And that's a really courageous thing to do, especially when. We're just collectively, individually so focused on the, oh, no, what are we going to do? And that's a reactive question. But, hey, what can we do now? That's a positive question. That's a proactive question. Yeah, and I love, so that combats the negativity bias. Like we're all, you know, so many people, you know, you want to look at the the highly creative people in the world, the disruptors, right? The people that we've mentioned, you know, the Ubers, the Airbnbs, like the people that truly seem to think differently. And it's like, well, how do I get there? How do I start, you know, or maybe sometimes you're thinking like, well, I'm not, you know, that creative. I can't think that way. It's blah, blah, blah. There is work to be done. And, mm-hmm. and the process that Kelly just laid out, like that's the how, right? So if you want to tap into that creativity and you want to start thinking differently, you have to combat, and I'll take it to the individual again, you have to combat that negativity bias, which is not right. to say like, we're not, we're not like, spiritually bypassing, we're not, you know, I talk about the and instead of the or. So it's like, Mm -hmm. yes, this is really hard. And I'm still sitting in my home drinking a cup of coffee and, you know, feeling really happy in this moment. You know what I mean? Like there is always an and to look at. And this process of thinking, and and I'm going to put it in the show notes, we should have had a little like get a pen and paper out. But if you haven't already, rewind and get a pen and paper out and like jot down Kelly's four questions because they're amazing. And this is how you start to change that thought process. This is how you get to the place of looking at those people and saying like, well, that's great, but that's just not who I am. But it can be who you are. And it does take work because it is, it's just biological wiring. Like we are like at the very most simplistic level, our brains are wired to keep us safe. And safety says, hoard the food, hoard the money, hoard the toilet paper, you know, Mm -hmm. don't take risks because there could be a saber toothed tiger around any corner. But really it's just, you know, Facebook and Instagram notifications that are sucking us into this negativity space all day. So really creating the space for yourself to do this process and work this process and make it a regular part of your personal planning, your strategic planning, 
that's how you start to compensate for the inherent wiring. And that's how you start to Mm -hmm. change your thinking and your company's trajectory. Absolutely. And so, because I I love the word and too, Uh I mean, and it's a practice, right? But and you don't have to go it alone. You do have people who have a stake in your success in the organization, right? There are other individuals, other companies that rely on your company being successful. And contrary to popular belief, they probably have a genuine desire to help you. They're just often not asked Mm because this goes back to the traditional leadership would tell us we have to have all the answers. Mm -hmm. Modern leadership is increasingly tracking toward you have to know where to get the ideas and the information, right? You don't have to have all the answers, but it's about synthesizing those ideas. It's about having the long-term vision for the organization or in case of what you're speaking of for yourself, right? And then finding out, let it be that journey. Let it be a happy journey where you're asking, hmm, what might we do here? Hey, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. What do you like about this? How, what are your suggestions for making it better, right? And then you can build on this collaborative nature and you will be phenomenally surprised by the responses that you get when you ask questions to which of your team and others that you don't already have the answer to. And I think personally, this would be, you know, your friends, your family, you might have a way of thinking about yourself that other people don't see you that way, you know, and until you ask them, hey, what do you think I'm good at? Or where do you Mm -hmm. think I could go with this? Then you're going to get even more ideas. And I think, you know, that's kind of the, um, the subtext to the connection that has been made possible through social media is that, again, looking for the silver lining, we do now have connections to people. You can reach out to more people than ever before to ask them about these things and to get ideas. And why wouldn't you? Even, yeah, I, I'm going to throw this out there. Even yeah. if it's a little pre-competitive collaboration, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like a, a, a competitive, like a you know, it's just something where your your competitors come together and you're like, hey, we're going to make this industry better. You right? know, like the pharmaceutical companies did to get a vaccine <laughs> to market faster in 2019. Hey, I like mean, that, right? It can happen. Yeah. And and they'll still be in business next yes. year. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. So. That is right there. There is your proof of concept. Like <laughs> there is very little that is more competitive than the pharmaceutical market. And they all came together to create the science and expedite this vaccine for the entire planet. So talk about, you know, collaboration over competition. There it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the best, you know, Kelly, you had talked about leadership and I think, you know, the best leaders don't have all the answers, but they do know how to ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. And the questions that you outlined are generative questions. And those are the right questions. Like the best leaders have the best questions and the best questions are generative questions. And they make you think, and they make people think differently. Um, Absolutely. They they really do. Pen and paper, write them out. Exactly. Because those those questions stimulate images in somebody's mind. And I think one of the words that I focus on most is the word might what might be possible because might that it's conceptual. It does not imply that there's a right or wrong answer to what's next. So it's not me as like the team leader going, well, what are we going to do? Right. That Mm -hmm. says you're going to give me an idea and I'm going to evaluate it and go yay or nay. But what might be possible, that's just me conveying to the person I'm asking the question to. I'm just 
considering it. Like I'm thinking about it, like what might be possible? You mm-hmm. could tell me anything. It's all on the board at that point because we're not talking about the tactical plan. We're talking about the idea. So that word might is is crucial. If I could give somebody, okay, now I'll go back to one takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> include the word might in your questions when you're talking to people. Well, and Kelly, I am like laughing to myself because honestly, one of the best tools I teach leaders going in is, you know, like we all have that story, right? And whether it's a story of I'm going into this meeting and I'm going to flop or the client's already going to be pissed off when I walk in the door, it's just a simple like notice when that script is running in your head and then pause and ask yourself, okay, what else could be possible? Exactly. And I challenge people to get crazy with it. And like I've had clients where I say, is it possible that you're going to walk in and the client is going to greet you in a panda suit with a bouquet of balloons and say, we're so glad you're here. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't have to be probable because it's literally about the pattern interrupt and it's about exactly that biological negativity bias and forcing yourself to think differently because that lowers your stress hormones, which increases your confidence, which allows you to step into that creative space. Like the micro is the macro and the macro is the micro. Like it's all the same thing. It's just tweaked differently. And like, yeah, absolutely. What else? And it's why this podcast exists. Right. Right. right? It is the exact reason why this podcast exists. So that as you, you know, are developing yourself and, and living your best life, you can put that into practice at work, right? You don't have to leave that all at the door in order to be successful. You can bring that to you and it's going to be better for everyone. And that's my hopeful statement, my positive anticipation Mm -hmm. that we will move forward through all of this and we will be better for it. Mm -hmm. These are moments that define define us. They give us clarity and they help us get really sharp with, hey, here's what I do want. (laughs) Yeah. And I just want to invite people to remember that we do have choice and we do have power and doing some of this work and going through the process Kelly laid out, really looking at how do I take care of myself to feel my best? Like that is the work that we have control over. And that is the work that gives us the capacity to do what we want to do and to show up how we want to show up in the world. So, um, if Kelly and I come up with, you know, the, the magic pill, we'll make our millions and we'll be podcasting <laughs> to you from our private island somewhere. But until then, this is what we can offer. This is the work that you can do. And this is how Absolutely. you continue to, you know, to do good business and to just feel the way that you want to feel in the world. And I want to add before we leave uh, this episode today, two things. Um, if you have questions for us, we have our doinggoodbusiness.com website. You can reach reach out to us through there. There's a form. We're both on LinkedIn and we also have a doing good business um, company page on LinkedIn. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Tell us what you're doing, right? Send us a question. If there's something you want us to cover or something that you think that, you know, we should go a little bit more in depth with, let us know. If you have an idea for the show, if you want to just brag, hey, we'll give you a (laughs) shout out. Tell us what you're doing, right? Because this is how we build the critical mass around doing good business so that it just becomes a normal way of doing business. And, um, And we would love to hear from you in all of that. Yeah, slide into our DMs, as the kids would say. (laughs) (laughs) And Lizzo. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And, you know, as always, you know, tell a friend, please rate and review us. Thank you for humoring our our bonus episode. We We hope this was really helpful. Yeah, yeah. And we hope it was digestible. And again, like, save it in your podcast app. Come back to it because it does take time to start, 
you know, to implementing these practices into your regular life and into your regular business practices. It takes time, but the more you do it, the more natural it becomes. And Mm -hmm. this is how we get from here to there. So, and we want the very best for everyone. And so we're here for you. Reach out to us. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone. And uh, oh my gosh, we can't wait for next week. I'm going to leave it at that. It's oh, a new talk exciting. About, mm-hmm. Talk about an, um, the example that proves the rule. Exactly. Tune in for next week's yep. podcast. It's going to be awesome. Yep. We will see you then or hear you then or you'll hear us then or whatever it is that we're supposed to say. Have a great day. Have a great week and uh, keep doing good business. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Doing Good Business. We hope you'll tune in regularly, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and most importantly, tell a friend or a few. It's how we can build the critical mass to make the world a better place through business. The Doing Good Business podcast is brought to you by Laura Heacock of Laura Heacock Consulting and Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business. Learn how you can work with us at doinggoodbusiness.com slash the hosts. Let us know what you like about the podcast and what else you'd like to hear about through our online form on the contact page of doinggoodbusiness.com. We'll see you next time.